Yeah, this is this is football time. This is extremely my shit. Yeah, so this is I, the, June and I are gonna we're really gonna be struggling to like make any points whatsoever. So, <laughs> hey, uh, who are you? The yeah. uh, the Forty uh, ers offense. let's go fuck you fucking got me uh arif just for for context like once a year uh alex and june uh are kind enough to let me just be like a little kid that goes fucking insane in the mcdonald's ball pit and just talk about football for for an episode and um i'm grateful for that but it's also just like not usually what we do uh but it's kind of it was like a kind of a fan favorite. So uh, you know, I, I had was a, in a group chat. I was in a group chat during the Super Bowl, and someone was like, "Oh my god, my feed cut out! What's going on?" And I was like, "You're not going to believe this: the 59ers have gotten on the field. <laughs> They've thrown no, the ball." Uh, Caleb, you you said this is like you're like a little kid again. This this is like brings you so much joy and whimsy. This for me, because I don't really follow any sports. The extent of any sports is learned through this podcast or just what appears on my timeline. So so this kind of episode feels like for me, like you know how when when you guys get like really high on like weed and you just start getting scared and like you're talking to someone and you just like <laughs> you get really scared and can't focus on anything they're saying and you just feel overwhelmed. That's what this is for me. And I don't have to get high to do it. So it's kind of a joy. It's, it's a joy in a different way. Yeah, that, well, you that, the 49ers I, defense during the overtime of the Super Bowl. Oh, fucking got him. Holy shit. Ed, please, Kyle Shannon has this a is family. The, this is the insight. See, see, I'm already I'm already feeling like that. I have no fucking idea what that means. I'm I'm this is a joke. It's not great. <laughs> no, that's always it's it's good though, because you're like kind of the audience surrogate. I, I was surprised to learn how many like maniac football fans that we do have, and I've made friends with a lot of them over the last year, but I uh, you know, we don't have a lot of of them. And so it's good to have June be the audience surrogate for this. I'll do my best to be as dumb as possible. It's yeah, not perfect. usually that hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's a good cold open. So welcome to Western Kabuki. Uh, you are here for our Super Bowl episode. Last year's was a blast. We're doing it again. We're joined, um, obviously, as always, by June and Alex. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm just I'm just happy to be here. I'm really excited to see what goes on. Tonight. <laughs> yeah, noted I'm, football fan Alex Goldman, <laughs> and even more notable uh, football fan me. Um, what what I will say before we introduce our lovely guests is the the one thing I've learned this year that I didn't know before is that. Um, Hitler is alive, and they won the Super Bowl this year. Adolf Hitler, <laughs> Adolf Hitler won the Super Bowl this year. I, I didn't apparently, know that, that Hitler was non-binary in the in the form of George yeah. Soros. It's like is. the new version of Hitler that Republicans have invented in the yeah. last like seven months. Right. Yeah, the Hitler Chiefs, won. the Chiefs Hitler winning uh, brought him back is, is what I could understand um, from. I, my think, I think you picked up on the context clues pretty accurately there. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny to see the Republicans doing this, and it's like. Uh, the Chiefs and the 49ers are my 30th and 31st most hated teams, respectfully. So, like, I just – I kind of want to, like, DM so, like, the end wokeness guy and be like, listen, you want to hate the Chiefs, but you don't know how. Let me help you. Like, pay me money and I will do teach you how to hate the Chiefs. I still remember when the Seahawks were in the AFC. Like, I hate those motherfuckers. Fuck them and fuck Patrick Mahomes. Let me teach you. This This can be done. <laughs> We can workshop together. Yeah. The right and the left can come together after all. <laughs> yeah. I also love that it's like, it's such a strange, uh, like political contrast here for like Republicans to be cheering for San Francisco to win as like the good guys. Yeah. Despite that being well, like. Every, everything's kind of inverted, right? So, uh, by the way, I'm Arif. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Uh, we're joined by Arif Hassan of the Norse Code podcast and, uh, Writes for your Substack is wide left, yeah, and uh, you know the smiling man, of course, Ed Zitron. Hello, how are you doing, guys? Long time friend of the show. I am doing great. That was that was not an eventful Super Bowl. I I will just be honest. I turned to my fiance. Do you hate defense, Ed? Do you hate defense? The defense was. I'm. I'm sorry. This is going to be very horrible for everyone listening because it's a British man who talks about football and actually watches <laughs> it, but never, never enjoyable there. But most of the game didn't feel like massive defensive stops. It just felt like offensive lines falling apart in real time. Mm. Patrick Mahomes spent most of his game on his ass, and then <laughs> it was just you had the 49ers, the 
the and they gave him the when, Pfizer vaccine in the third quarter, and he just yeah. Where we go <laughs> one, we don't just, go yeah. for it on fourth down. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like it was just the but the overtime was fantastic. Like the overtime really felt, that felt like a hell of a football well in the fourth game. quarter like, too. Like they they brought the fourth quarter was the, just kind of like oh, it's just before we get into the to the recap sure, first. Sure. Uh, okay, well let's let's do let's do some proper introductions. Um, Ed, you some things have changed for you since last time you were on our show. Yes, you have launched a new show, or you've announced it. Has, when do you launch, and when when are we? Actually, when launches are we next Wednesday. Uh, so next I have Wednesday. a show with iHeartRadio, a podcast coming out called Better Offline. It's a weekly tech show about how VCs and big tech are changing the world and society for better or for worse. And yeah, comes out next week. Going to have two banger episodes. It's going to be great. Um, Fuck yeah! And yeah, awesome. that should be wherever and you Arif, get your podcasts. Do you want to pitch your pitch your stuff real quick, just on the top of the app? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, my Substack, which I just changed the domain to wideleft.football because I thought I that sounded that, yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fact that we have a top-level domain that's just football is very this good. This crazy. Probably. When I found that out, I was like, yeah, I'm going to pay the extra 20 bucks for that. That's maybe nuts. Maybe Big Tech will save us after all. Yeah, this is the first uh, piece of dispositive evidence I've seen of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's why I left off football. Uh, a lot of writing about um, the Vikings because this is the team I originally covered. Uh, but the NFL in general, um, the intersection of all of that and politics. Uh, so the latest piece I have up is about the intersection of the Super Bowl specifically and the current political landscape. Um, and that's just kind of the discussion that I like to have. If you're really into analytics or deep film analysis of football, we have uh, those pieces up. If you want to talk about the politics of football, I'm getting more into writing a lot of those pieces. Those are those are coming up. And I also do like quick game recaps and stuff like that. So I'm still kind of feeling my way out, still new to the Substack uh, thing, but I'm having a lot of fun writing it. Arif's work is absolutely fantastic. It, it really like, is. Some, if some of the best If you're actually commentary. a WK sports head, like you have to check them out. To the few hundred of you that are out there. Um, <laughs> so really let's see. That. This episode, I think we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, obviously. We're going to talk about, we're going to kind of recap the season. And we're going to talk about the uh, satanic uh, pedophilia halftime show with Usher. We are going to talk <laughs> about the commercials, which I'll just get at. Spoiler alert. They were juiceless. Got to say. Uh, and then we're I have a lot to say about the commercials. Okay. Oh, I'm Hell excited. Yeah. Hell yeah. I have a lot to say. I, I can't wait till we talk about the uh the, the insane the the way that um football is driving right wingers more insane yes. every single year. <laughs> Dude, that's what yes, I fuck. So that's good. I actually that's I, I'm actually more prepared for that discussion than I am for anything <laughs> like about the Super Bowl itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the fun stuff. So we'll do that in the the second half. But let's get through the <laughs> yeah, let's start stuff, with so. the, <laughs> we have to be depressed. Let's first. get through the game recap first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. eat your vegetables first. Yeah, I got it. Uh, so let's see, uh, Ed, you are, you've been a hater, not only of the entire season, but you did not like the Super Bowl. I want, I want your take, just hot take right so off, fresh off this the season felt like it was dead inside. Yeah. It just felt like a very Correct, empty season. No one felt right. Everyone felt weird. Personally, I thought the 49ers narrative, the whole goddamn season was bullshit. This team has never felt like it had the juice. Brock Purdy <laughs> looks looks and acts and dresses like he lives and was born inside a Costco and he plays like <laughs> it too. <laughs> Patrick That's Mahomes incredible. the whole season has looked kind of limp, but also he has receivers who are like the janitorial staff combined with the Golden State Warriors team from 2020 that's mostly made up of janitorial staff. It was just a very <laughs> weak season. The only good thing, weirdly enough, was the Raiders. I feel like Antonio Pierce becoming the coach of the Raiders. Oh, after that was Josh fun. McDaniels. That was a great storyline. After that they took Josh line. McDaniels to the glue factory halfway through the mm. season. I will add two things I liked. I liked uh, Lamar Jackson coming online in the second half of the season. I like that Ravens team a lot. They're really fun awesome. to watch. I actually disagree. I fa- Interesting. Here's the thing with the Ravens. I... I love Lamar Jackson. I think he's awesome, but they never give him anyone to throw. They give him fucking Adele Bell Beckham Jr., who has been Was shit it? for a while. He's good for like one game. And everyone <laughs> goes, oh my God, OBJ, he's back. And he's never been back. No. What they've, does he... St- they, they gave he's suffering from the Lena Dunham curse. When he snubbed Lena Dunham, that was the that end was of his it. career. That was it, yeah. People talk about the boat, but it's actually the Lena Dunham curse. 
Um, well, but he yeah. just, it feels like also that something happens to the Ravens in playoff games and they just die. They just yeah. do not see. I don't know. And I think that sta- Stabby Baby being the, the mascot for the Ravens was like, uh, that was <laughs> It was a rough go. Yeah, that was a really bad time to pull in a guy being like, "Yo, yo, we're gonna burn down the NFL, yo!" And then like they lost immediately. (laughs) I like, I find stuff funny, but like, yeah, also just a very weird thing to do. But no, the Ravens just—it was—it just felt like a year of pretenders. Like it kind of felt like the Chiefs were gonna make it. I I I can't really get behind that just because. uh, Well, Lamar was tremendous, but also he was tremendous. But he he's just. I don't know what it is, but it feels like he is the only good player on that team, and the rest not, of the team just. I, I, the reason the reason I think it's different is because Zay Flowers had a tremendous year as a rookie receiver. Like you're right, they don't give him that receiving boy. options. He had yeah, that that he had a rough playoff game, but again, yeah, they always put it on Lamar. They always put it on Andrews. They always put it on whoever the receiver is at the time. And Zay Flowers may indeed be the best receiver they've had in a while, and he's still not that great. And it's he's, just, I mean, he's a rookie. He's a rookie, uh, no, but him, and I, but I'm saying I, like I think he's that a rookie. Plus Mark sure. Andrews gives them some receiving options, and then they had a top five defense. You know, it was number one, number two, number three, depending on what point of the year. So there was like there was stuff with the Ravens that was fun to watch. It was, but at the same time, that last game, that game made me very angry because it's just the, like the game was. This bad, is what and, you can do. And this is it. Their new coaching staff uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Screwed up that game after having a really good year of trying to maximize Lamar. So that was the issue. That game was pretty bad. I'll also say a thing I liked is um, I don't love like the, the Josh Allen narrative went weird, but I do love that he's still like a dumb golden retriever mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and he's still a phenomenal quarterback. So uh, that I did enjoy. Did you guys uh, see, by the way, Josh Allen was on some, I think it, I don't remember which he was on some podcast or something. And they were like, who do you think has the best arm? Did you guys see this? No. no. What? Okay, so they asked him, uh, Josh Allen, who has the best arm in the NFL? And he uh, he says, it's Baker Mayfield. And everybody, four people, <laughs> laughed what? at him in his That's face. So cool. it was so, he looked so hurt by it, like the fact that he was, he was being laughed at. It was very funny. What an incredible how do they how, how do they measure who has the best arm? Is that like a do do they like line them up and they're like look at this guy look at look at the guy this guy's real strong arm. men look at his look at those muscles look at him go well, he's so, really pretty so Is that typically what they do? when people in football say best arm they usually mean the ability to generate the most ball velocity on a throw um, okay and Josh Allen is in contention for that particular title he's like in the top three easily maybe number one. Uh, and so, so, so gay men would love this guy probably. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Loves, yeah, love both, both of them in sure. the Buffalo Metro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> gay icon, Josh Allen. But like Baker Mayfield is not in that conversation remotely, which is why that's, I would love, I would have loved Baker Mayfield to win. Well, he though. has the record for the longest reception though, doesn't he? Yeah, but that, that shit doesn't matter. I. Uh, like, cause it's, it's, it will create the furthest depth of throw, but no one maximizes their depth of throw based on arm strength. It's really about getting the ball to the receiver quicker than the defense can react to it and stuff like that. That's like really what arm strength gets you, um, more than it does is deep throws. So what Baker you're saying, not just being able to lamp it as hard as possible. You mean the Jamarcus yeah. Russell method doesn't work. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the greatest player of all time. Innovative soft drink drinker. <laughs> Wait, what does it mean to be an innovative soft drink drinker? How does one drink didn't, it? Didn't he drink? <laughs> didn't he drink something with some codeine in it? It was like yeah, a whole thing yeah. That was like a, there's a whole deal so, with him. Yeah, and I must say, just for the real uh, pained listeners on this, I do have a Jamarcus Russell jersey. That is a Las Vegas <laughs> Raiders one. I'm surprised you didn't get beat up games. when you wore that to no, a game. No, no. So to explain Beautiful. to those who don't know football, Jamarcus Russell was a first round pick for the Raiders. Mid 2000s, late 2000s, maybe. And he was dog shit. Uh, 2007, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Because 2007, weird year as well. Last year I lived in England, should tell you everything. I had to come over and see Jamarcus <laughs> cook. And this guy's <laughs> whole thing was all he did was he just threw the ball as hard as humanly possible. And he sucked. He was so bad. He was such two a. Stories unique- about, two stories about Jamarcus Russell that I think really contextualize him. One is. 
Um, so every year during the during the draft season, uh, teams will attend various pro days of colleges where uh, players will work out at those pro days. And this is not a typical workout, but he essentially showed off his arm by uh, getting on his knees and throwing the ball as far as he could from his <laughs> knees, which is Hell insanely yeah, difficult because you generate all of your power through your footwork. And so if you cut that off, um, the ability to throw the ball from your knees 80 yards is is what the apocryphal story Fucking is. Great. So so I've learned Such two things flex. today. I've learned two things about football is you should throw really hard. Yes. Um, and yes. you should also run really fast. That's true. Yeah. That, the, that part correct. is definitely true. <laughs> okay. uh, can, I, so can, I, can I ask a question really quickly because it's yeah. really bothering me? What's up? Are they called the Ravens, Baltimore Ravens because Edgar Allan Poe yes. lived in Baltimore? Oh, yeah, that that fucking, so that's fucking That's entirely why. Okay, that's my yes. favorite team. Jesus Christ, that's the weird. The students have become the teachers all of a sudden. The Ravens, that's a good team, June. Yeah. The Ravens are a good team to um, like. Because they, they, uh, the last team to play in Baltimore was the Baltimore Colts before they moved to Indianapolis, and they were named after the fact that there were a lot of horse races in Baltimore. And I think everyone realized how lame that was. So when they <laughs> stole the Browns from Cleveland and they decided to rename the team, they wanted a much cooler name, and I, I very much appreciate that about them. Um, but the second story about Jamarcus Russell this is a great story. So the guy who runs the Raiders at the time, Al Davis, is obsessed with arm strength. He wants uh, he wants the fastest guys ever. So he typically drafts the fastest receivers. Michael Crabtree. And he, yeah. Um, <laughs> and and he wants to get uh, and he wants to get the strongest arm so he can throw as deep as possible so that you've got the receiver who can catch the ball ninety yards downfield. That's his whole philosophy, right? So this is why he likes Jamarcus Russell so much. So. His very close friend, Matt Millen, who I believe he coached, actually. So they're very good friends. Matt Millen at the time is running the Lions, which is not a very good team, but that's not important to the story. And Matt Millen is also in the market for a quarterback. And so this actually, this test actually happened. It appeared in the movie Draft Day. Bad movie, don't watch it. But in the, in, in what, what Matt Millen did is he gave uh, Jamarcus Russell a playbook. And he said, hey, I want you to get through this playbook. And tell me what you think of it, you know, when we meet with you uh, in a month, right? So he does that. And uh, and he, in a month, they meet and he asks, like, hey, what did you think of the playbook? And DeMarcus Russell's like, I loved it. It's great. It fits what I do. It fits my offense really well. And the playbook is empty and there's like a $100 bill in it and he never mentions it. And so it was a fake playbook to test whether or not he would actually do it. And he didn't. And Matt Millen <laughs> calls Al Davis. So this is crazy. This is so they have like the first pick and Matt Millen has like the third pick in the draft. So it is in Matt Millen's best interest to not tell Al Davis who to pick, because if if they don't pick the right guy, there's a better chance that the right guy falls to the Detroit Lions so they can pick him. Um, and And he calls Al Davis and he's like, you cannot pick this dude, man. This dude is so... He didn't read the playbook. He doesn't understand concepts. He's dumb. He's got a bad attitude. He's never going to make it in the league. Al Davis does not listen to this. Drafts to Marcus Russell. He's known as the biggest bust in NFL history after that. Out of the league in like two years. Which is insane for a rookie contract, by the way. Insane. But also what's important to know is over a decade later... I have, they've moved to Las Vegas and I have one Raiders jersey and it's a Las Vegas jersey and it's a Jamarcus Russell one. And it's the beautiful. times I've worn it to games, no one gets mad at me, but occasionally someone will be walking and they will see it and then they will look back and they will stop and they'll just look at me. Look at me like, yeah, the appropriate like, they, like they know that they should be offended. They know it's rude. They know I am mocking them. They know it's rude. But they're not sure why I'm doing it. And it, this reminds at, me of moments in my life I've been called something so racist I don't know how to react. It's like uh, giving me a similar vibe. But, but that's also my whole bit with the Raiders games. I just go in there and I just get... I have progressively more fun in various ways with various substances. Yeah, wait, and wait. Is this last year when we talked about about the the football last year around this time? You were mad. It's it's the Raiders, your favorite team that you also are really mad about all the time, right? Like you yeah. were you were going off about them. Yeah, yeah. So why are why do you still stick with them? Uh, because I hate myself, and also there's no other football <laughs> yeah, so team around there. It's just kind of how it works. that was one of the questions I was going to ask both of you guys. And I have my own answer, but you guys go first. Like to June 
And to anybody listening, like they, they don't really, anybody who doesn't really understand sports, like how, like when you choose a team or when you become a fan of a team, what does that actually mean? Why do you like them? Why do you ride or die for them? Why do you, the agony, the ecstasy, all that, like what, what is, what, how, how does that happen? Like, what do you got? I don't know. I just want your abstract so, wax there's poetic a thoughts on this. Tweet from August 2019 from A.T. Fullerman that says it perfectly. I'll just read it because as soon as this conversation came up, I needed to pull up the tweet. <laughs> I think a lot of people think the point of sports is that your team will win and then you will be happy. That is not the point of sports. The point of sports is to be sad in a group. Yes. <laughs> Nailed. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I mean, I guess that makes sense. You, I feel like that's a good bonding moment. Like you, you are yeah, it is. disappointed. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're like thing. you, you hold the homies. Yes. You hold the homies together. Your team loses. You get kind of wasted. I, I mean, I guess I, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of sociological stuff on on like the appeal of sports, and it's all interesting. And I've read it, and I agree with like a lot of the conclusions that people come to. But a lot of it does boil down to that. Um, it also offers. Um, low stakes conversations for people to have with each other. It offers an instant opportunity to find something in common with people. Um, it it's, there's like a lot of elements here where like, if, if I come across somebody and their, their political leaning is too far divergent from me, I think they're dangerous. If I come across somebody and they're a Packers fan, I just make fun of them and it's fine. It's low stakes. <laughs> it's easy tribalism, honestly, is what it is. It's, what if it's like what if, what if it's like your rival team? Like like the your most hated team. Like, are they dangerous or are you dangerous? Are you dangerous to them basically? Arif, who is your most hated team? Uh, I mean it's the team I follow, it's the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That's a fucking great answer. <laughs> um but I mean yeah, it's it's how I best become sad in a group. Um, but no, like it's, it's, I mean, it's not like the sporting culture in Europe where the political culture and the sports culture in a lot of places in Europe, especially in soccer has converged where your political and sports identities are intertwined. That's just not what it's like in the United States. And thank fucking God. This is also not how I grew up with football. They're trying real hard to change that, but thank fucking God. Yeah. I don't remember (laughs) any, um, any political leanings in uh, Queen's Park Rangers FC other than the fact that uh, there were a lot of racist fans. <laughs> that's just in a, that's just well, West that's London just, that's sometimes. Just sports. That's just West London. Yeah. But like in Eastern Europe and in Spain, you know, you see a lot of that for like fairly well-grounded historical reasons. Um, and a little bit of that in, um, in Scotland. Um, but yes. yeah, in the United States, it's just like not that and that's great so it's like okay uh i follow the vikings the rival teams are the packers and depending on how i'm feeling that day the saints and if they're any good the bears right those are like the <laughs> rival teams right i haven't had to think about and, them in a while yeah it's it's been a bit um and uh and you know you encounter a packers fan first of all like they're like 20 minutes away right like driving to the packer stadium is like an hour from here it's not it's whatever but, um, you know, Packers fans like Packers territory is like 20 minutes, 30 minutes from here. So it's it, they're very like geographically quite close. They'll kill the you States. if you enter the uh, the, the border. Mm-hmm. Well, they, you, you, have to, you have to like dress you. up and put on the paint. You're fine. Find No, but it's, a, it's like low stakes. You find a Packers fan, you make fun. Like you go to the same like you might be roommates with one. It's just like it's so whatever. And that's what I like about about sports is that like none of this shit matters. Like people will treat it like it matters. And obviously to a lot of people, it's like very life or death. But like to most people, most of the time it doesn't matter. And so I can be as invested as I need to be. So, I mean, that's like that's my answer. It's very long. I also think that there are certain teams that are fun to be shit with. Like play. I will say this. It was fun before John Gruden uh, was heavily. Re- it was really fun watching that team be shit under Gruden because everyone. It was kind of like a a family member everybody hated. It's like oh the Raiders are here and they kind of seemed they seemed kind of competitive. They seemed like oh they yeah. could win. They probably won't though. They'll let us down. And there was something bonded. You bonded over that. But I think what really I've stuck with the Raiders because I lived in Oakland, moved to Vegas, and 
I was like, I will support what my closest team was. Because one thing I always hated growing up in England was you had people in London who were Manchester United fans. And it's like, fuck off. Gross. You support Gross. your local shit team, no matter how shit they are. Queen's Park Rangers FC. Watch them go from the premiership. Never go back up. Um, I hate I hate soccer, by the way, so don't even. Uh, but I, there was a, there's a certain degree here of you accept how shit your team is and you love them anyway. And you, you go and see them and you loathe them with your friends. And the Raiders, I think, I've really got back into them with Antonio Pierce becoming coach. But I will tell you, the Josh McDaniels days, as short Rough as days. they were... I was Rough going days. to I was going to exit my season tickets. Like I sold the entire. <laughs> I was just like I, I, I just. It was an unlikable team too. So like it, it was. was it wasn't just that they were bad. It's they were unlikable. But it was unlikable. But they were shit in a way that wasn't fun to watch. They were shit in yeah. a way that was just insulting that they charged you to watch. It wasn't. <laughs> and I watched like the really bad teams very intently, like that zero and sixteen Lions team. Yeah. There was something funny and oafish about them. Yeah. Like watching well, I mean, Dan Orlovsky like, like running out of I his mean, own I mean, I still go zone. to a couple like, Mariners games every year. I get it. Like, I watched watch a few Angels games this year. Mm. <laughs> like, I know about bad sports that are fun to watch, but the Raiders weren't. And just Josh McDaniels is such a twat. He's such a piece of shit. <laughs> Peyton Hillis tried yeah. to fuck his wife and he got so mad he released him. Like, fucking idiot. Horrible coach. Everyone hated him. Yeah, fucking, it was. It was. He, it was he gave bad. Devante Adams depression. Like it's just. <laughs> but then you watched Antonio Pierce come in, and it was like, oh, cool, that's great. And I should also add, I've left one important thing out, which is at the end of the playoff run where Rich Bisaccia took over from John Green. Oh my god! Yeah, that was everyone. There was genuine hope in Vegas. Everyone was like, the Raiders are going to be all right. Like that was an interesting time, and we're probably going to hire this guy, right? Because the players love him. And the he team got, got better. The, the team got better. Yeah. This looks great. And then immediately it's like, no, 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 not at all. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to hire career failure, Josh McDaniels, <laughs> who everyone <laughs> fucking hates. Yeah. So for, for, yeah. So for people who don't have the context for that level, that story, John Gruden was the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, was part of the reason, or was part of the, the PR blitz as they moved from Oakland to Las Vegas. They gave him a $100 million 10-year contract, and uh, it was it was going actually kind of okay. The offense was looking a little bit better. They had revived the quarterback, and then some emails leaked from former Washington football team owner Dan Snyder and his executive staff to John Gruden, or Gruden, back when he was a commentator and not a coach would uh, just regularly say homophobic stuff, racist stuff. And uh, those emails leaked. The Raiders were forced to fire John Gruden. They appointed an interim coach in Rich Passaccia, who is the special teams coordinator. They did very well under Rich Passaccia. Um, and then they decided not to turn that interim title into a permanent title and instead hired Josh McDaniels, who had already failed once actually for a division rival in the Denver Broncos. So it was a pretty interesting choice. Uh, Josh McDaniels uh, lacked charisma and talent. Uh, and so when he <laughs> gave his players depression and they gave him the boot, they appointed another interim coach, Antonio Pierce, who rules. Uh, and they did much better under him and the players liked him. And this time the Raiders were like, OK, I think we figured we should probably just hire this guy this time. So it sounds like it, it pays to be woke. Uh, <laughs> yet again, football goes woke. Yeah. Well, 100%. also the other thing is, and it, my favorite story, then we can move on for the Raiders because they are quite depressing, is <laughs> so Antonio Pierce was working for the Raiders at the time during the Josh McDaniels era. Josh McDaniels has made his money, pretty much all of his money, from having been on the Patriots when Tom Brady was quarterback. So apparently, Josh McDaniels was talking about how shit the team was, how do we fix this, who That's makes right. the decisions right. to fix this football team. I, as the head coach, Josh McDaniels, have no industry to fix this team. And Antonio Pierce says, well, i got some advice for when I played on the New York Giants team that beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And Josh McDaniels yes. says something along the lines of, how dare you? How dare you do never bring up that team again in my presence? Yeah. Anyway, they went on to lose insane. like every other game until they just took him outside and shot. They, they sent him to, uh, <laughs> they sent him to, him to the, the, the great factory. football pasture in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Alex, I think that you were, you were trying to say something uh, earlier. I just wanna... feel like I heard, see, my ears perk up immediately when I hear about the meta of the game, which is not so much like what's going on in the game, but someone trying to fuck someone else's wife. Mm-hmm. What happened now? Yeah. So there was this running back <laughs> called Peyton Hillis, who was very successful, I think, or from, for the Browns, right? And yeah, then the at the time, Josh McDaniels, he was then on, on the Broncos that McDaniels was coaching. So there was a woman at this event that Peyton Hillis, the running back, went up to and started talking to, and he was clearly hitting on her. That was Josh McDaniels' wife, and I believe he like immediately released him. Oh, no. I believe that's... God damn. Yeah, for trying to fuck his wife, which is so funny as well, because, like, it's just... I'm sure he was sorry. I'm sure he was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. You're like, I didn't means- know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Josh yeah. McDaniels was just like, absolutely not, sir. You must- He's ruling with an iron fist. Holy shit. That's kind King of his whole deal. Almost every former uh, Patriots coach, uh, their whole deal is ruling with an iron fist and being very bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Patricia. It's never good to have two first names. It's never good to have two genders first names either. <laughs> so, so I got to ask cheating. about this Super Bowl then. All right. How, yeah. how do you guys feel? How do you, how do you feel about uh, Taylor Swift and Joe Biden rigging everything? Um, right. How does that? How, how does it make you feel to to know that all of this is just a farce? Uh, like. Well, as as a as a um, employee of George Soros and a member of the woke mafia, I'm (laughs) extremely happy. Well, I didn't see you at the company uh, Christmas party. Oh, it was a big Christmas party. I was on, I was mostly on the second party. floor. So yeah, winter solstice. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't there because I had to attend the mandatory Kwanzaa one. You have to. We go um, <laughs> we are going to get to that, but again, that's like a uh, a little bit later. We got some stuff to hit. I think before we talk about uh, Satan and George Soros and Taylor Swift ruining uh, the of poor course. working Perfect. man's experience yeah. for the NFL. Um, Arif. Ed just kind of went off about the Raiders. You're a Vikings yes, guy. I want to hear. I want to hear. Okay, so what's recap your season and what do you think the future is looking like for you guys? Uh, the future is murky because the their uh, starting quarterback is not going to be under contract, and so mm-hmm. they don't know whether or not you think he's coming they're going to be able to sign him. Yeah, they don't know if he's going to come back, and so it's kind of an unusual situation. Um, they have the 11th pick in the draft, so we don't know uh, if they'll be within striking distance of getting a quality quarterback in the first round. Because uh, the quarterbacks that are expected to go in the first round are likely to to be picked before the Vikings pick at eleven. We'll see, right? You know they might be able to trade up in the draft. Who knows? But uh, the season was uh, crazy for the Vikings, just absolutely nuts. So the first couple of games, um, Kirk Cousins, who's been a much maligned quarterback for a number of generally, I would argue, legitimate reasons. Um, uh, you know, he's like an anti-vaxer, very annoying, um, super Christian. Grew up actually in holland michigan which is the same town that betsy devos grew up in if you remember that name mm. that's where sufjan stevens shout out Ooh, look at that. wow feel the illinois holy shit um <laughs> that's crazy well i'm happy he got out damn um but yeah you have to be evil to stay there clearly if uh, yeah. uh she's there yeah well so he, so the cousin as far, as far as i understand the cousin's family is actually quite close friends with the devos family um cool and and so you know that's like his whole shtick but he's also like jesus christ how do you cheer for that guy i didn't know any of this <laughs> shit what do you, what do you i mean, knew he was I, a boring nerd what do you mean but... i cheer for that guy <laughs> um well okay so here's the he doesn't make it like a central feature of his personality he doesn't go out there and talk about gotcha um, so he's not Aaron conservative Rogers. politics that much right yeah, yeah yeah um uh which by the way i did a whole podcast on on qaa about how annoying aaron Rodgers is so uh, if you want to listen to that, uh, yeah. go and find it. Um, I think I, just uh, before we move on, I, is is Aaron Rodgers the guy that takes like the really weird photos with his son? That's Tom Brady. No, Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. He he okay. loves taking photos of himself kissing his son on the lips. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers goes on that show with a guy in a tank top and says, "Well, you know, uh, Joe Biden." Yeah, I think he really it's enjoys Pat, the Pat McAfee show where he just goes on there, and then it's it's him and it's the uh, his co-host Adiak who looks like an Oblivion NPC. Yeah, he like does look like one of the Easter Island idols. Someone tweeted like he he just like walk up to you empty empty faced. Good tidings to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, so, so cousins is, uh, he's a generally very bland quarterback. He had a pretty good, so he was on the Netflix show quarterback, which is mm-hmm. a poorly named show, I think, uh, just <laughs> for better, SEO purposes. Set uh, but he, he looked really personable and charismatic and charming and like a Midwest down to earth humble guy, which is fantastic for him. 
Uh, and so that kind of um, helped his image out a lot. Plus, he's genuinely just like an insanely tough human. He, for the past three years, has led uh, the league in hits taken per game for a quarterback. Yeah. Um, incredibly tough person. And, uh, and you know, that like a, that appeals to a lot of fans. And he doesn't make his politics the center of what he does. And it only really came up during the vaccine stuff where he refused to get the vaccine. And when people kept on asking and insisting, he ended up citing the Bible. And so it became a whole thing, right? So it's yeah. not a central feature of how he presents himself, which is why it's a lot easier for people to kind of yeah. swallow it. And I mean, like fair, fair enough. You know, yeah. I don't really care for the most part, unless someone's like a Nazi or whatever. I don't give a really a shit what they believe. I'm just there to watch them sling a football. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he very much appreciates that fact. And I think a lot of, and he understands that other people do too. So, so he is having, so he's got this reputation for being a very structured by the book color inside the lines quarterback that doesn't improvise that much. He ends up taking a cognition test, uh, in 2022 that tells him actually he could be a very good improviser, which is just insane voodoo to me. And, uh, he's like, well, I should improvise more. And actually they were right. He would a hundred percent should, cause he's so much better as an improviser than anyone thought. He's like 33 and he discovers this thing about himself. Like he should color outside the lines and he's actually kind of good at it. The 2022 <laughs> season is like weird, insane. The Vikings like, uh, get the record for the most close wins in NFL history in a single season. They also get the greatest comeback by points. Uh, in an NFL game against the Colts that season. So 2023, you've got this like freelancing quarterback that's kind of discovered a new version of themselves where they could actually be legitimately good and and shake a lot of the narratives about them, that they can't win in big games, that they can't improvise, that they are just a good, not great quarterback, that they're supported by the supporting cast, all of these narratives that he's beginning to potentially shake from last year. He's entering the season, first four games, He's playing pretty well, but everything else is kind of going to shit around him. Receivers are dropping balls. The offensive line's not blocking as well. The defense is fucking garbage. And so they're losing. They're like one and four. And so the quarterback is kind of like taking on wins and losses. People just tend to blame quarterbacks for wins and losses, whether or not it's their fault. He's playing pretty well. And so it's kind of this weird, I'm kind of defending him moment where I don't love him, but like he's playing well. So I just have to like be like, hey, we can't. Put it all on him, and he's most deservedly um, not the problem. Yeah, exactly. All. And and then the next couple of games, the defense just turns it around. Just one hundred percent becomes from like one of the worst defenses in the league, like ranked twenty eighth out of thirty two, to number five or four or three. And by the end of the season or near the end of the season, number two, just instantly around week four, they become a very good defense. Receivers start catching passes, and he is playing the best football I've ever seen from him in my life. It's incredible. He's playing outstanding football, and then he gets hurt uh, for the rest of the season. He really was uh, lights out there for a minute. Yeah, for like for like three, four games, he's just insane. He's sicko mode, um, and uh, and it's great. The defense is playing well. He's playing well, and then he just his Achilles. This guy has not missed a game due to injury aside from COVID uh, <laughs> ever in his life. And and he's like 34, right? So that's like a pretty long career. Mind you, he started late for reasons that are kind of weird having to do with Washington, but whatever. Um, but he but he gets hurt. He misses the rest of the season. And so the Vikings are like, okay, our backup quarterback got injured in training camp. So we don't actually have a plan here. So we got this rookie who was like a fifth round pick. We don't expect him to be good. We picked him thinking he might potentially be a good backup in three years was like the idea, right? And so now they've got to think about this rookie. They instead trade for um, an aerospace engineer uh, who happens to play quarterback, um, Joshua Dobbs from Arizona, who is starting a bunch of games for Arizona that, like this year. And, um, and, and wasn't and that no because they intended to lose that they were starting him so they could specifically uh, lose not, not games? Uh, not quite because they did play Kyler Murray. Like the reason they traded Joshua Dobbs away is because Kyler Murray finally got healthy. Yeah. And if you want to lose, you're not playing Murray. I mean, he's not an outstanding quarterback, but if you're trying to lose, sure, you're going to keep that guy on the, the game, bench as much I, as possible. I thought at the beginning of the seasons, they seemed to be just trading away the it copper It very the much seemed like it. It very much seemed like it. Uh, but they tried winning games and they won a bunch of games and they're not picking in the top five of the draft. So seems like they weren't tanking. Um, and the defense got a lot better too. So I guess they weren't. So they start Joshua Dobbs. Dobbs looks good for two out of the eight games that he started for them. And by good, I mean outstanding, insane. 
um, especially like against the Cowboys, who have the best defense in the NFL at that point. Um, and then he plays like garbage. And that's kind of expected because he doesn't know the Arizona Cardinals playbook because he was in the Cleveland Browns training camp all summer. And so he doesn't know the Cardinals playbook and they start him right away is this kind of weird, which is one of the reasons I thought they were tanking at the beginning of the season. They're playing this guy that doesn't know the offense. The Vikings trade for Joshua Dobbs thinking, hey, in a couple of weeks, he'll know enough of the offense that we can play him. We'll start the rookie for now. They start the rookie. The rookie looks good for about 10 plays. Then he gets a concussion and has to leave the game. So Joshua Dobbs goes in there and plays an incredible game. One of the best games I've ever seen from a quarterback in my life. Uh, And then next week he does it again. Uh, And so they're like, oh, maybe we got something in this Joshua Dobbs guy that five other teams didn't like. Uh, And then he plays like garbage for the rest of the season. So they're like, well, okay, the injured backup that was supposed to be the backup, he's back. So we'll play him. And then he plays okay for one or two games. And then he plays like dog shit. So they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll go to the rookie. And he only looks like dog shit. (laughs) So they go back to the backup. uh, That's not helping. And that's the Viking season. Uh, Very weird (laughs) season. And the whole time they have a top, like for the middle, uh, not the whole time, for the middle 12 games, they have the second or third best defense in the NFL. And then at the end of the season, at the beginning of the season, garbage defense, they gave up like 30 points a game. It's it's an uninterpretable season, which is what most Viking seasons are. I find. <laughs> All right. I have one more question about the Vikings and we're going to move on to the next uh, segment here. Uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, how big is that bag and is Minnesota paying it? Uh, it's probably 35 million a year. So right now the top receiver contract is 30 million a year. That's Tyree kill that was signed in 2022. This will be signed in 2024. There's a 7% per year cap expansion essentially every year. And, uh, Justin Jefferson is a little bit better than Tyree kill. He's the best receiver in the league. Um, and so he'll probably get something like 35, $36 million a year. Uh, Minnesota will move heaven and earth to pay him. They cannot, let him go. There's nothing. There's no scenario where they don't pay. Vikings him in my fans brain. will kill everyone. Yeah, ever. they'll still they'll, they'll fucking storm the Bastille, right? Like it's there's nothing you can. Because uh, he's a he's the best receiver in the NFL. He plays an exciting brand of football because sometimes the best receiver in the NFL is like Antonio Brown, who before he went crazy was playing extremely well, but it was kind of a boring type of good. Well, look right? at a guy like Tyler Lockett in Seattle. He is statistically among the best, but nobody even knows. Yeah, he's like he a is. top five, top seven-ish yeah. guy, and no one ever gives him the credit for it. And he plays kind of a boring brand of football. Justin Jefferson Classic plays- Seattle player. Uh, Justin Jefferson plays an insanely exciting brand of football. He's incredibly charismatic. He's very approachable. Um, he was like the, I think the first American he looked athlete, like he was having a blast in that little Caesars commercial. Oh yeah. He also he, seems like he plays the fuck out fun. of every game. Yeah. He seems like he, like every game is his last game. Yeah. It's full go all the time. Um, he was the first American athlete to be put in Fortnite. Kids love him. Um, <laughs> I did not Fortnite is revolutionary. Fortnite is like a revolutionary form of media that is going to like impact every every venue of our lives in the near future. I someone you someone out there, someone who, who's out there that writes like essays, you could you could do like a politics of Fortnite. Don't get me started like, on Fortnite. Free free idea out there for you, for anyone. So yeah, free so ideas. he's he's like an icon. Um, I think Nickelodeon chose him to be <clears throat> their football ambassador for a while. He's the NFL Play 60 football ambassador. So he's super charismatic. He's the best in the world at his job. Um, he's young. Uh, he's relatively healthy. Obviously, he got hurt this season, but um, not in a way where you're concerned about future injury. He plays every game like it's his last. He's got a great attitude, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the Vikings are just going to pay him. There's not like a way around that fact. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Uh, let's, yeah, let, let's just quickly recap the actual Super Bowl game and then we'll talk about the fun stuff, the commercials and the Satanism and all that stuff. Oh, you think Satanism's fun? I do. Oh God. Yeah. I do I'm when it's so uh, on upset. Twitter and it's, uh, we'll get to it. We, we will get to it. <laughs> 
can I can I just say my favorite like commentator thing? This is just like totally random off topic. Yeah, yeah. But so I play I play uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee com- competitively, and something I've always like made fun of. Um, one of the weakest parts I would say of the Melee community is the commentary. A lot of people just like don't really know how to like hype up a set. Some people will just kind of like ramble, just kind of say whatever. So so one thing that people will often say in Melee commentary is like, oh, like especially like in the finals, like near the end of a tournament, they'll they'll go something like, oh. It's just going to come down to really who wants it most. And I've recently <laughs> discovered that do do commentators? I, I've been told commentators for like football do the same every shit. Sport. Where they're like, yeah, every Absolutely. sport. I think that's beautiful that like esports and actual sports actually have like some crossover. There I, is I, a huge crossover beautiful. over in commentary, especially <laughs> um, for the Super Bowl. Speaking of Tony Romo, was when he first started calling games, was he was awesome. amazing. Now yeah, he he's awful. What the fuck out. happened there? Kind of, Tony kind of mirrored his football career. It's because it's because he realized that it, it just comes down to which team wants it more. Basically, when he says he was fucking singing a song at some point of the game, like what? The, <laughs> yeah, he's singing a average, average local melee community uh, commentary. So no, that he would be a perfect fit in the the like local esports in like any local scene. The, I can actually see him up. being a shoutcaster. That makes sense to me. The Chiefs yeah. fucking fumbled the football, and they just he didn't even say anything. Like you don't you can't even describe what's happening on the screen. What's your what's the point of yeah. your existed so so like so for people who like don't like so there is a huge difference like a gulf in how good you can be at color commentary which is the type of commentary he does when he started out he was doing stuff like predicting the play yes, that would and he occur was accurate and drawing it out on the screen he was very accurate yes at it. he was very good at it and the way he would do it it wasn't like I mean, it was kind of a gimmick. It felt like a magic trick, but he would also like teach you about the game. He's like, hey, you know, this linebacker's here. They like to run this play against this look. And so you'll see this tight end take this route. And typically they'll do this, but in this situation, they'll do this. And you feel like you learned something about football that you hadn't known before, despite having watched the sport for 10, 15 years. It was really fantastic. And then he would, um, there were some problems with his commentary. He'd step on uh, on his partner. Um, so Jim Nance, the play-by-play guy, couldn't always get what he needed to get in. And those were problems. But for the most part, he would teach you about football. He was charismatic. He did not consistently misidentify players. He did not miss important plays. He did not ignore important elements of the play, like how good the offensive or defensive lines in the game were. Um, He was holistically helping you learn about the game and describing things that would happen. And then he had this neat magic trick where he would tell you the next play, which is nuts. Um, and then after that, it just got worse and worse and worse. He got he got worse at like finishing his sentences, which is like a crazy problem for a broadcaster to have where he would just trail his sentences. He would misidentify players. He stopped doing the the gimmick about predicting plays, which, you know, whatever, if you make up for it elsewhere, that's fine. But he didn't make up for it elsewhere. So he kept on um, stepping over the the commentary of his broadcast partners like Jim Nance. Uh, and he was sometimes he would just like make sounds like, blah, 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 and it's like, <laughs> This is a professional broadcast. You're getting paid like $10 million a year. You can't this use words. Awesome. You can't. Use, it's bad. It's he bad. He would be my favorite commentator. I want to listen to him. It, it sounds better <laughs> than it 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 is. Trust it's, me. I mean, it sounds to me, what you're describing to me sounds like watching Wendy Williams. Um, <laughs> which is torturous to me. <laughs> yeah, he called... Um, he called Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa. They kept, yeah, yes, did it's do that. just, just create just a, an awful game. Okay. He mixed up all the, all the 49ers player, uh, no, all the chiefs players wearing the 80 numbers. So Noah Gray, Travis Kelsey, and Justin Watson, who are also all white. So, you know, yeah. easy mistake, right? You know what they say. Uh, but we all look the same. You're right. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, he, he mixed all of them up. So you didn't know who's getting the ball or who did what, like you mentioned, he didn't talk about the fumble on that final play. Uh, which, uh, uh, spoiler alert for the Super Bowl, um, the Chiefs win. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the final play is as the seconds tick down, which actually doesn't matter uh, technically, but is like very dramatic on the screen. The seconds are ticking down. And, uh, you know, the the Chiefs uh, bring up a play that uh, that they drew up last year for the Super Bowl and hadn't played since. Um, they, they run that play again to get the touchdown. It's a really awesome moment and, uh, it's being played in Las Vegas. And so Jim Nance, as the touchdown, as, uh, as the receiver, McCall Hardman crosses the line of scrimmage and, and into the end zone, um, Jim Nance says jackpot, Kansas city. And then he kind of lets the moment breathe. It's a great call. And then Tony fucking Romo just starts babbling. (laughs) 
And it's like, you got to let the moment live. This is a huge, it's the, it's the culmination of a full season. <laughs> it's a Super Bowl. Like there's, you'll have time to talk about this play if you want, because it's the last play. Trust me, you'll have time. Uh, <laughs> and then he immediately starts analyzing the play, which is, it sucks because the crowd is cheering. You've got all these reaction shots. It's also kind of immaterial at that point. Yeah, yeah it's, it's over, like, dude. The game whatever, is over. Right? And like I want to, I want to enjoy this as a sports moment, as a member of the football watching community, along with everybody in the stands and whatever. And I want to soak in the noise and the atmosphere and the feeling. He's not doing that, right? But also, like most of the time, when a commentator is breaking down a play or explaining what happens, there's a replay that you're watching that like guides you through what they're saying. But there's not here, right? There's shots of the crowd. There's shots of players celebrating. And he is talking about this this fake motion that if you don't have like a memory of the play means nothing to you. So he's babbling <laughs> on about this play. He's like, oh, you know, Andy Reid, he pulled it out of his his bag of tricks, you know, from last year. And it's like, I don't know if I, I know what that means because my job was to break down that play last year. But like. Most people don't know what you mean when you say he he pulled it out from last year's Super Bowl because the Chiefs scored a lot in last year's Super Bowl. Two of them were off this particular play, but I don't I don't know what that's supposed to mean. So you're just referencing this play. We don't have a diagram. We don't have uh, the the people in the broadcast truck pulling up that uh, that play to compare it side by side, which would normally happen. Abroad. So he's just talking. And he's trailing his sentences. It's unclear what he's saying. If there was a diagram of the play in front of the viewer, you still would be confused. And this is all happening while like Mahomes is cementing his legacy as perhaps the greatest <laughs> quarterback of all time. <laughs> no, it, there there should be color commentator. There should be uh, the babbler, and there should be the Taylor Swift play by player, uh, just recounting everything she's doing at all times. <laughs> I think there should be an yeah. oaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should They should get one of the guys that screams at their TVs just like, <laughs> not yeah, even mic'd yeah, up. Yeah, not yeah, even mic'd up. I think it's time now. I think it's time to talk about Taylor. Uh, we can, Let's do it. I had no, some other stuff first. We can throw it on the end depending on how time is going. Uh, Ari, if you had, had written this, this article on your Substack that's very good about the politics of the NFL, do you want to su summarize it and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there? Like the political implications of Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl? Well, just the Super Bowl being political in general. So I guess... Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so so there's like a lot of elements of that that kind of all tie in together, right? Like the Super Bowl is by its very nature a political event because it requires the resources of entire communities plus the federal government to even uh, ensure that it runs. And by ensure that it runs, I mean like it's what they think they need. It's not literally what they need. They don't need like the Department of Homeland Security to stop counterfeit sales, right? Like they don't, it's not that important, but they they treat it that importantly, right? So there's millions of dollars of federal tax money being spent at every Super Bowl to, uh, in theory, fight human trafficking, which by the way, it's a myth. Uh, there's not a, a spike in human trafficking in Super Bowl host cities during the Super Bowl. Um, there's a spike in consensual sex work uh, and probably a spike in some non-consensual sex work but not in any way that is uh, meaningful statistically in a way that you can capture. But that is a justification for bringing in extra DHS agents. You have agents from um, ICE, from Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, looking for counterfeit baseball hats. Like, why are they qualified for that? That's a crazy... <laughs> so you've got that. You've got the host cities paying um, millions of dollars in fees in order to uh, pay overtime for police officers, provide uh, logistics like things like barricades, uh, making sure that the streets are clean to the NFL standards, providing uh, transit like metro buses for the exclusive use of the NFL, shutting down parts of the city for NFL events, um, all kinds of like reserving parking spaces for, NF for NFL teams and NFL personnel uh, and so on, making sure that uh, coordinating with the hotels, which cost time and money to uh, make sure that they reserve certain seats for certain people and certain groups. Um, and uh, and also cities will spend a lot of money on stuff that the NFL is not explicitly asking for, like uh, beating up homeless people. They'll just spend a lot of money just doing that because that's what you do before every big event, right? Um, and so that costs quite a bit of money, plus also obviously like human lives, right? Uh, 
so there's like a lot of that. So it's, a, it's an intensely political event just from that perspective, but also because it is the most dominant cultural event that like in the United States that we kind of share an experience with, like over 100 million people watch it. There's no other event in the United States that's like that. Um, then there, that fact is in itself political, right? Culture is politics, but also political actors will attach themselves to that. So we used to have a tradition where presidents, it's not a very long-lived tradition. It started in 2004, where presidents would interview before the Super Bowl. Don't know why that was a tradition, but I guess George W. Bush liked it, so he did it. Uh, and Dude's Obama rock. picked it up. Yeah, do drop, right? I get it. Um, and Obama obviously was going to do it. He fucking loves sports, right? So um, he, uh, so he, so By the way, uh, Obama um, talking about the Legion of Boom and leaving out Brandon Browner is one of the funniest moments. That's in so Seahawks funny. History. Anyway. That's so funny. Um, well, in hindsight, good move. Yeah, Brandon Browner to that. Clear yeah. point. Yeah. But um, it's all part of the plan. Yeah. <laughs> For but, context, uh, he so, would, so, uh, he's currently serving eight years in prison for attempted murder. So Obama knew something. <laughs> yeah, Obama, Obama <laughs> figured it out. Um, I mean, who else, right? Uh, but uh, uh, Joe Biden decided not to do that interview. This is the second year in a row he decided not to do the interview. This, of course, in the background, of course, of, of uh, the... The special report from a council that indicated that Joe Biden had memory problems, which is not a shocking piece of information. But <laughs> you know, they, they they would get him up for the interview, and he would start recounting like the Super Bowl, like Super Bowl He's, from like no, 1989. They were he like, was going like to talk year. about Joe Montana, one hundred percent. He was going to be actually, like in the, in, in the Super Montana's Bowl interview. He'd me. actually would remember Egypt is is the thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that that was like kind of interesting. Um, but also uh the fact that he like tweeted after the game, uh in what well, he whatever whoever's running a social media tweets after the game, a dark Brandon meme of uh, saying all according to plan or just like we drew it up. Hilarious like stuff. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I, no, I genuinely fun. believe, I, I don't have any evidence of this, but that that tweet will actually cause more like sociopaths to be born. Like that tweet is like the center point of some mass shooting that's going to happen in like yeah. 10 years. Well, it'll, like, it'll be like it the first domino. Exactly that conspiracy that led that guy to behead his dad, right? So like it would not be completely out of, it would be out of the ordinary, but it wouldn't be like out of left field that another event comes from that tweet, right? Like it's just 330 <laughs> yeah. million people in the United States, right? Listen, like, yeah, I love happens. watching haters practice their craft, but maybe sit that one out, Joe. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one's a lot. Um, but yeah, so like that tweet goes out and it like it dovetails with the NFL joke, which happened on a Barstool sports podcast about the NFL being scripted and a right-wing conspiracy about the NFL being scripted. It just kind of combined those two okay, universes. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Tell, expound on that because I think it's very, the fact that the a Dave Portnoy owned podcast be, <laughs> created this as a joke that the NFL is scripted. And then now like every imbecile with a blue check believes that it's actually all scripted because they believe everything is is a lie we're gonna get because matt friend of the show maverick who has been in our tweet brackets <laughs> was going fucking crazy yesterday with, with <laughs> tweets about how it's all scripted um so that rules tell tell us about this a little bit it's the only reason in my opinion uh th it's the the main reason this conspiracy why i started paying attention more to sports this year is because of this go on yeah yeah so uh uh, the the benign version is uh, Arian Foster goes on the Macrodosing podcast and they ask him if the NFL is scripted and he knows what the podcast is about. So he's like, yeah, totally. They give us a script at the beginning of every year. We have to rehearse it, etc. <laughs> it's obviously a joke. Almost everybody takes it as a joke except for people who had already thought that the NFL was scripted. And they lean into this joke like a lot to the point where the NFL runs commercials before this season about what the script is. Like, it's very much like a joke. But if you're really conspiratorially minded, that's like, that's co-option, right? It's like, but oh. Also, how has nobody ridiculous. attached themselves to the fact he's called Arian Foster? <laughs> how has that it's, never He spells come. it with an I. It's fine. He spells it with an I. Uh, like, how is the, like, yeah. all of these insane neocon freaks haven't been like, well, there you go. Well, I mean, he is black and he is vegan and he's definitely left. Sounds like a script to me. <laughs> that does sound like a script. I mean, the, th the thing about conspiracy theories is like, 
a staple of them is that people are doing it out in the open and they are mocking you. Yes. So like, yes. Right. So like that that's, they would yeah. do it out in the open and then mock you is just like finally Yeah, because Taylor Swift was there. Like it's all part of the plan. Joe Biden posted the tweet. No, it's absolutely I believe it. I believe well, this conspiracy. So then so then Jesus. you get June, <laughs> you're gonna get us in trouble. Yo, this is not the I was not hoping to do this, but well, we're here. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Kabuki on the promise. next <laughs> I'm gonna be guesting with Dave Portnoy next week. We're gonna be talking about it. Oh, fantastic! Uh, best of luck. Uh, so, so there's been a trend in like right wing, uh, I don't know, online movements. I don't think movement is such a strong word for this micro niche, but like there have been like right wingers who, for a couple of years, have become like very anti sports in like a very Marxist opiate of the masses kind of way which yeah. is like okay uh interesting direction to go in but fine it's but like, it's like we got to give these people copies of manufacturing consent because they're almost there but i know i but there's yeah, so many conspiracies right like consent stuff though. like hey <laughs> 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 uh, shit you have to come up with like a different title for the book in order for them to be like oh okay uh manufacturing obedience i guess is the way they'd be like oh 1984 i get it um, <laughs> but, but so like, so manufacturing they, 1984, manufacturing 1984, <laughs> finally, we've learned how to reach them, but a little uh, book by George Orwell. <laughs> so, so like they, they think that like the, the, that sports, uh, dumbs, uh, dumbs us down, which like, there's actually a lot of Marxist literature about that. Um, so very funny bedfellows. Um, and it's designed to, uh, you know, extract funding from us, which like a uh, good take kind of weird that you arrived there, but okay. Yeah. Uh, it subsidizes billionaires. Another good take. Um, all for the benefit of the Jewish elite. Ah, bad take. Bad oh, take. Uh, <laughs> uh, whoa. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always like a lot of conspiracies are like, ah, I get why you think the world is aligned against you because like in the, in a sense that you're describing like 90%, but then boom, left turn Jews, right? Like, Oh God, uh, don't do that. So there's, there's a lot of like right wingers that are kind of in that direction. And now that we've got this storyline with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, which I'll explain in a second. Um, you've got this accelerating alongside this already extant like meme about the NFL being scripted. So the thing with like Taylor Swift is that right wingers have been growing gradually angrier uh, at her and or her, the concept of her uh, because she was this like America's sweetheart, but country star from Tennessee that has like gradually become like more woke. Like in 2018, for the first time ever, she endorsed two candidates. They were Democratic local candidates in Tennessee, and people were like really, really upset about that. Uh, and then she started like promoting get out the vote efforts, which I guess that's bad. Um, she <laughs> asked the governor of Tennessee to start respecting LGBTQ rights, which, um, you know, she's she's turning woker as time goes on. Uh, video leaks of her arguing with like her parents and her manager, um, which I think was a strategic leak, but, you know, whatever. Um, now I'm putting the tinfoil hat on um, <laughs> of like of her arguing, no saying like, no, I want to do this because right. it's right. It's yeah. I mean, it's you know, you're not paranoid if they're actually out to get you. Um, <laughs> the uh, so like she's arguing with her parents and her manager because she wants to do this because it's important, and they're saying you're going to lose your audience, right? And she's like, I'm fully pivoting from country into pop, so I don't care. Uh, but what she's actually saying is, no, it's important. Human rights are important to me. Um, in 2020, she uh, she criticizes Trump. It officially endorses Joe Biden. Uh, registers, uh, according to some estimates, like tens of thousands of people, like 35,000 people to vote in like a three day span. Um, I guess not personally registers, encourages 35,000 yeah. people to register. Which again, just to cut you off really quick, and I apologize for that, but is very funny because Donald Trump is a Swifty. He is hurt. Oh, by 100%. This. <laughs> well, he loves power. But also this Donald Trump though, just to be clear, did a, did a truth social post. <laughs> yesterday where he was like well you know yeah, travis kelsey true. doesn't which i by the way i cashed that that was that real, that was real. Was no fake. donald oh, trump was legitimately like, oh. loves taylor swift yeah. that's a thing well, that's it's a not just that thing. but he was like well yes. actually yeah travis kelsey also doesn't like me but i like him it was the most weak i've seen <laughs> yeah. trump in some time 
he's he's trying to get back to his like drama roots, like his like celebrity drama. Yes. Roots. Like, he did, he also doesn't love the anti-vaxxers, right? Because it's his vaccine. It's exactly. Like he's like he's like very like ah, I don't know, don't you know. Uh, That's always the weird thing with Trump is he's like always like he is like the inspiration for a lot of these like really weird hyper online like psychotic movements. But he like he doesn't rock with a lot of like what he spawned, like the the psychosis and people that he created. He he wants he wants like completely different psychoses that are equally damaging, but not the ones that are emerging. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He like can't completely control it. Yeah. So bizarre. Which is beautiful in its own way. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's it for the main feed of Western Kabuki, but there is plenty more on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Western Kabuki. There is more Arif. There is more Ed. We get way into the Travis uh, Kelsey-Taylor Swift relationship. Apparently, Travis Kelsey is kind of a cool dude, which I didn't know. But uh, Arif and Ed tell us all about it. Also, um, a lot of uh, real crazy conspiracy shit going on on Twitter with our homeboy Maverick. Uh, We look at a lot of his tweets. Um, They are wonderful to behold. You have to check them out. And on the subject of checking things out, be sure to take a look at Arif Hassan's Substack, Wide Left, and um, Ed's new show, Better Offline, as well as his Substack, which is called Where's Your Ed At? And you can find that at easy.substack.com. All right. Join us on the Patreon. There's plenty more. It is all awesome. And uh, we will see you next week. Thank you.